Welcome to another episode of So You Can Hear Me When I'm Gone. I'm your host, Dallin Perry. If you're a first-time listener, this is the podcast where we explore the lives and journeys of various family members. We enjoy hearing their stories and experiences and hope to capture wisdom and truth to share with future generations. I hope you all enjoy. episode of so you can hear me when i'm gone so what's uh what's the latest that's going on with me yeah oh my goodness i've gotten shorter <laughs> dina says <laughs> looking from the back of my car they think that she's in the car by herself because i'm so short i can't, that i'm not even seen <laughs> oh well <laughs> she calls me the raisin and every other thing so it's it doesn't matter i just gave up on it all <laughs> She's so rude. We have, nah, we have fun with it. <laughs> it's it's really funny because you know I used to be the boss and tell her what to do, and scream and yell at her. Now she tells me what to do. <laughs> Every so often I'll say, "Did you forget I'm your mother?" No. <laughs> now I have to take care of you. I haven't forgotten a bit of it. <laughs> so it's fun. I think it's wonderful that you guys know how to do all of this because it's always fun. When I think about it, I think, I don't want to do that. And then when we do it, it's just lots of fun. Of course, it's because I talk all the time. <laughs> I, like to, I like to hear my own voice. No, I don't. I just. <laughs> I, no, it I, is fun to talk. It is. Well, I, I'll tell you what makes it fun is because I know you guys and. And, you know, I, you guys know me. I don't worry about it. It's like, what is there to worry about? We love each other. It doesn't matter. We just accept each other how we are. Yep. Crazy yeah. and all. It's kind of scary not being able to, to make a phone call out with a phone. Uh, I'm to the point yeah. now where I'm just, going, I'm just thinking about having them put one on the wall because that always worked. They just, they put all this garbage on for an old person like me that just has a hard time understanding them, even the very slightest. All I need is to be able to call out and talk to people on my, I like the texting, I like that. And uh, call for help if I need help, you know. That's, yeah. I don't need a, a whole lot more than that. It's crazy. Well, to be honest, the rest of the world doesn't need a whole lot more than that either. I think that's right. Too many voices out there. I just can't figure any of this out. What you need is an iPhone. <laughs> Don't listen to him, Graham. Uh, Don't listen he's to him. He's teasing me now. Yeah, I've, been, I've been looking into that one that's called the jitterbug, but I think it's a piece of junk. The reason I think it is is because Big Buy sells it. That's where I got the one I got now, and I do not going to them guys. They don't know anything about phones. I, I can't stand Best Buy. I, I just, they're the worst company in my opinion. So no, that's, that's, you, I, I just preach that one. I'm good with you on that. Yeah. I just, after this phone, I just, it's like, man, I, I, I'm not going to bother you guys. You just, you know, I'm a ha hair smarter than them. Cause I know, I noticed to not go back. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a few disappointments in life. Just a few, though. Just they just now and then they run right into you. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided though to laugh through life and not worry about things. So I'm taking these pills, and next thing you know, I'm just going to be dancing and having a blast. <laughs> 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 and we know that's a big joke <laughs> when my feet won't hardly move and I fall over real easy. So it's going to be really good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How's your leg going? And your toes and your ankle and all of you. Uh, we're good. It's uh I'm walking on it. Good. Regularly now. Uh it still twinges a bit here and there, but uh and I've I've traded in my nice dress shoes for I got some some tennis shoes, but they're all black, so you can't really tell unless you're really looking at them between my dress shoes and my tennis shoes, but 
But yeah, it's on the mend. The tennis shoes are better. Yeah, they're just they're just more comfortable. So that's good. That's yeah. good. Okay, guys, what do you want me for? Well, we just uh, we wanted to talk with you and and uh, you know pick your brain and. <laughs> and get all of the wisdom from you that we can right now. Yeah, you know, my brain is about the big of a size of a pea now. It's shrunk. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, we've been kind of talking about injuries, and I know, I know you've been injured a few times, and especially in the <laughs> legs there. Yeah, I've had one or two little things go wrong. Yeah, I think it was in the early 90s. And um, when you fell off the ladder, can you can you tell us from your perspective and your experience uh, about that accident and what happened and how it changed you and how it changed everything in your life at that time? <laughs> okay, well, they were building a barn for the horse because you know Karen bought uh, Karen and John bought Johnny a horse, and the horse was skinny. He hadn't been fed. I mean. Every back, every bone on his back was, it was just pitiful. He was just like skin and bones. And so they, we built it. Uh, we, no, they weren't going to build a barn. And I said, you don't leave a horse or any animal out in this winter weather in Redmond, Oregon, that freezes and it's cold as a buzzard. He's got to be at least have a little bit of a shelter. I mean, Build him three sides if that's all you want to do, but we can't leave him out. And they go, oh, mom, every horse is out here and he's in the pastures. I said, did you see how skinny that poor thing is? It hasn't had anything to eat for ages. You can't leave him out. And I just threw a fit. I did. I just I just kept after him and after him. Finally, they said, okay, we're going to build him a barn. So we picked a Saturday. Uh, and that was in November November the 9th, that's when I fell, November the 9th, 1994. And this is at John and Karen's place in, in Redmond. Right, up across the, uh, yes, across yeah, the, the big, street from yeah, you the, guys. The Blue House, yeah. Yeah, the Blue House. And uh, so they started building it, and we they did really well. They built him a whole shelter. They made him a shed roof, and it had three sides on it, left the front open. And so I was pleased with all that. Well, they were putting the last piece of metal on the roof. And no, I'm lying. It would, they didn't have, they, they had one piece of plywood left to put on the, only it wasn't a hole when it was a four by four. So I, I was on the ladder and I reached it up to John. He was on the roof and I reached it up to John and gave it to him. He pulled it up. And I stepped down off the ladder and I had a pair of snow boots on them that had grippers on the bottom mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. I wouldn't fall because your mama is of, she Uyghurs a lot. Anyway, so I got down on the, I was on the second rung and the ladder fell over and it wrapped around my leg or my leg wrapped around the, the ladder the, from the second rung all up. and. I I just started screaming bloody murder, and then I passed out. Karen bailed off the roof, I guess. The next thing I knew, Karen is holding me, and she is twisting my leg because my leg, my foot was going backwards. And so she untwisted me and got me out of the ladder. And then I kind of passed out. Now, the kids told me this, John and Stan. They said, Mama said, go down to the to the street and tell the ambulance to come up this road because they wouldn't know where to go to get on our road. And so they ran. The boys both ran down there. And by the time they got there, the ambulance was there. Who called the ambulance? I don't know. And when they got there, then I, I was I was out. I don't remember anything that happened until I woke up in the hospital about, it must have been a week later, or maybe it was several days. 
dad would know exactly, but I don't remember the exact time. Anyway, uh, I woke up with my leg in a trench. It was like somebody had nailed two boards together, you know, like that. And my leg was in the middle of that. And dad said, mom, don't move your leg. Don't move it at all. And I said, okay. And the nurse came in and she said, don't move your leg. And another nurse came in and they said, don't move your leg. And they had it covered with a sheet. So did you keep moving your leg then, Graham? Or... I didn't. <laughs> Seriously, that locked in my brain. Yeah. Don't move your leg. And so I just locked it in there and I never moved it. And a couple of days went by. Well, and uh, uh, what's his name? Brian Cunningham came in and I I had, I don't know how many transfusions, but I needed another one. And I didn't want to get any more. I didn't want to get any transfusions because that's when Bill's with the guy that Bill was working with in the force original, they gave him the wrong blood and he died of He died the next day because he got a bad transfusion. So I thought, sure, I was going to die. So I said, no, I don't want this. And Brian Cunningham came in and why I trusted him. I, I, well, because he was my good friend. And I said, Brian, I got to make a decision here. Uh, what do I I have to have a transfusion, they said, and I don't know what to do. And he said, for heaven's sakes, Renee, take it. So I said, okay. So I, I, they did that. And then he was gone. And then a little while later, uh, your dad your dad never left my side. He was there all the time. I heard that from the nurses, but I didn't know that. Anyway. Are you talking so, about Papa? Yeah, Papa. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so... Then I said to Bill, I want to see my leg. And he said, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. I want to see it. And he said, Renee, tell him, uh, just take it from me. You don't want to see it. And I said, I'm going to see it. And so he said, okay. So he called the nurses and they came in and they flapped the sheet back. And I looked at my leg and it, it was wide open because they couldn't, they couldn't sew it together because it was so swollen. And so it was wide open and it looked just like a piece of hamburger. It Did you just pass out right there? No, no, I didn't. I just looked at it and I thought, and I told Bill, I said, this looks like a piece of hamburger. And he said, that's what I was trying to tell you. You don't want to look at it. And I said, I wanted to see it. <laughs> So anyway, it was like I it took a, I had to lay that way for a week till the swelling all went out and then they finally stitched it together. And I've got the I've got the I don't have the staples but they were big old staples that they stapled it together with. And uh and then I just started trying to get well and my leg had to be out flat. I wanted to go to sacrament meeting because I was a stubborn old lady and wanted to go. And so your dad bought me a, a, a wheelchair that the leg would stick out. You could put both legs out or one leg out and then I could lay, it would lay clear down like a bed. I, yep, I, I remember I got the same, I still got the wheel, the wheelchair. Well, somebody's borrowed it. Trudy has it now, but anyway, I just, there I could do. So they wheeled me in and they put me right under the pulpit like I was in a casket. <laughs> and and did, so did they come up and look at you. Everybody come up and go by and look at you. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting thing. Then people were supposed to be all my friends and not one of them came up and touched me. It was like I was contagious. Not one of them came up. Guess who came up and got down on his knees and said, Renee, I will do anything for you that I can. It doesn't make any difference what it is. Gary Hansen. He's the only one that came up, shook my hand, and told me that he loved me and that he would do anything for me that he could. So him and I are like this. Yeah, so, thick as thieves. Stand yeah. up guy there. Yeah. And everybody rest, else thought you would die. Everybody else was like, they would go way far. They 
I couldn't even touch their hands, seriously. Well, they didn't want to break their legs either. I mean, it's catching. <laughs> I've thought a lot about that since. I, it's like, it, I just know that when you're handicapped, people look at you weird. And they treat you different. And I, that's been an imprint in me forever. That if there's anything, that if, if you're not standing up normal and talking normal, they don't want to have anything to do with you. Nothing. And that's the fact, whether we like it or not. The nurses came and they started helping me at the house. And then ladies from the church came and helped. Finally, let's see, who was it? Oh, Anita, or Anita, Anita Elsie. She came and gave me home therapy and I got better. Oh, I went to therapy down in, in Redmond across the street. Well, right where the bridge is there going into Redmond. And then uh, there's a service station there. And then there's a therapy place back there. Anyway, yeah, I, I remember, I know. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They put me in a pool of water in a, it was about probably 36 or maybe 40 inches high. And I, there was a kind of a table next to it. And I had to slide off and not hit the bottom, but just go real easy because I couldn't put any weight on my leg. And then I would soak in that tub and then the guy would work on my legs and move them for me. And so I finally got well enough to be able to get around a little. And and then I just, my it was just, Cheryl gut determination that I was going to walk because they told me I wasn't going to walk again, probably. But I just, with Anita helping me, she's a Feldenkrais person. That's like, that's a therapy, but they learned it in Germany. And she went to Germany and learned this, how to, how to do this therapy on people. And it worked. And she wor worked with me. I was about a year getting well enough to walk with a walker. Yeah, that Feldenkrais, that's what Cousin Kim does, I believe. Who is? Cousin Kim. Yes, that's what Kim does. Kim is the one that got me started there because Roy and her got together and paid for the first month's lessons that I had. And, and then I liked it so well, I was more than willing to pay for everything that she did for me. And she's still my good friend. She lives in, in uh, Redmond. Anita, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. How are you feeling during the whole recovery? I know you probably had some down days where you were just kind oh, of discouraging. Man. And I'll tell you who saved my life was my little kids. Sarah, Jana, Becky, and Stacy. They saved my life. Those kids did. Because they got up on the bed, and Papa's got these big, strong hands, and he would move my leg because I, I had to have it moved every two hours, and so he would get a, and he would somehow get his fingers under my legs, and then he would go like this, with you know, to, just kind of move them up a little bit gently. Yeah, and move your leg it, up. Yeah, and and it was like. Oh, please don't touch my leg. Please just don't do it, Dad. But I never said a word to him. He did it. But so what I decided to do, I was going to teach the little girls how to move my leg. So they, because they were up on the bed all the time with me. So, and I was in bed for a long time. I don't even remember how long. It seemed like a year, but I'm sure it wasn't. But anyway, so I told him, just slide your hands underneath grandma's leg. And when I count to three, just move it a little tiny bit and I'll tell you to stop. So two on each side. Sarah was only, I think she wasn't quite two, but maybe she was two. I don't know. Anyway, they would move my leg just a little bit and I'd say, okay, that's, that's enough. That's done. We're done. And then they would, two hours later, they'd move it back again. They, they were with me all the time, and I could not be sad because they were with me. I didn't really, I got sad when I broke it the next time. That's when I, I really got into, kind of got depressed about that whole thing. So, they, but uh, I, the depression. Kind of made you focus a little bit on on what, what was happening right then rather than your leg. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, and they, they didn't know that I would walk again then either. 
it's it's just the pain is is and I've never got away from the pain. So that's the boring story of my of me. How did it change you spiritually, Mom? Oh man. Well, because I'm stubborn, I was teaching seminary. I could not teach seminary because it was just all of me. I just was into seminary. So I called the bishop and asked him if the kids could come out to my house and have seminary. And he said, I'll talk to him. And he talked to him. And every one of them said, we'll come out to grandma's house. They called me grandma, all of them. And so they did. Every, every day they drove out. And that was the most humbling experience that I ever had. And and it got me reading the scriptures closer. I knew that I I couldn't do this alone. I cannot, I could not stand the pain unless I had help. And the only help that I could get from anybody, because nobody told me what it was. I never Dr. Carmi never said one thing about my x-ray. Not one thing. He let Papa see him, but he didn't let me see him. And when I broke it the first time, Papa said that it looked like that I had taken a china cup and threw it on the cement and the pieces just shattered. He said there wasn't a piece that you could even put together. But Carmi put it all together he was a smart doctor, but he was just had a bedside manner like a horse. He put all of the bone together, and then he used coral from the coral sea and made the glue and put the put that on completely coated my my leg with that, and that's why it healed, and it got I was able to stand on it. Now this orthopedic surgeon that I was just to the other day. He said, did you know you have coral in your leg? I said, yeah, Carmi told me that. He said, be sure and tell everybody that you've got the coral sea in your leg. Well, I didn't ever tell hardly anybody who cared. And anyway, he said, that coral, do you know? He said, I've, I, he, he was not a very, he's not a very old man. He's maybe, maybe 40, not, maybe not even that old, just a young doctor, really. He said, I have read about this in all of my books, and I was been so interested in it. But this is the first time I've ever seen it done this way. We make a different type of glue for this, but it's with coral. But it, we put more in it than what he, he what was in it, and that's the only thing that's held my bone together all these years. He said that's. We don't do we don't do it like he did it at all. He said, "This is a fascinating, most fascinating bones I've ever seen." And he, he just, I was in there for one and a half hours, and he just was telling me all this all the time. So that's why. But I knew that the Lord had blessed me that with that, and that I must have something more important to do. So it changed my whole attitude on life. But what really has changed my attitude, well, and falling again changed it more. But the worst thing is, is that when your dad died, that's changed me. I knew before the plan of salvation. I taught it. I studied it. I believed it. But I'll tell you, I knew, knew, knew it when your dad died. And that's what has changed my life is between these accidents and 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 your dad dying. I know who Jesus Christ is. I know him. And I know my heavenly father. And I I could never ever deny him. And I will give my life to them as long as I live. I have a I have a sure testimony of him. And the help they give me. And every day I have my prayer. And every day they help me get around. Every single day. I see their hand in my life almost hourly. Because of the things that happened to me. And how I can't do much anymore. But if I ask the Lord to help me, I can do it. It's just been. I it, 
I have a hard time explaining it, but it's there. It's in my heart. And I would do anything that I needed to, to, to help. Do you think these two breaks, the Redmond and then Las Vegas, do you think they prepared you for some of these other struggles that came later? Looking back. Oh man. Yes. Oh yeah. Heavens. Yes. I know I can do hard things. I'm not even afraid to do hard things. That's why I think it was stupid about my toe. Because I thought, oh my gosh, I can't do this, you know. I've done harder things than getting this toe fixed. Holy cow. A lot harder. And I, and I know now that if, you know, if the world goes to pot, I can do it. I can do that. I can do that. Dini used to say, if I if the world ever goes to pot, I'm going to go to David because he knows how to do everything. And that's how I feel about me. And I said, and so do I. I know how to do a lot of things. I can keep people. I can feed them. I can take care of them. And I can do it. Even if it's hard, I can do it. Because I've done hard things. And I just have a lot more compassion. It's taught me to have more compassion with everybody. Everybody's got troubles. Everybody has. And I guess the thing that has taught me the most, probably, and I shouldn't, yeah, I should have said that before and not even talked about all this, that the most important thing in our lives and in the world today is pure love. The pure love of Christ. That is the most important thing. People are more important than things. And it's just really, I, I love people with a pure heart. I really do. I love, I love this. There's all oh, there. I shouldn't, I should specialize this. There's three or four or five people I don't like very well, but I've learned to love them even a little bit, but I'm not up there too good on it yet. <laughs> But I think everybody can say that, Graham. I know that it's the most, people need to be told they're loved. They do. And when yeah, Papa absolutely. died, I realized that everybody needs to know, to know that they're loved and that somebody cares about them. That's all that matters is that somebody cares. We have kids that are just mistreated all the time. All the time. Dina has these kids that are just, it just makes you cry. And they just need somebody to hug them and love them. So what I, oh, and Dina got released from being the chorister in primary. She's a librarian now and she loves it. But anyway, they, when she got, while she was in there, she, she called me that it was never a call from the bishop or anything, but they wanted me to come in primary and be the hug grandma. So I did. I got to go into primary and I hugged these little kids. And now these little kids see me in the hall and they go, oh, Grandma, are you coming into my class today? I wanted to hug you. And so they got, it's, that's all they need is hugs. They just need to know somebody cares. And it's not hard to give. Yep. That's, that's all I can do now. Were there any you know, convalescing in, in both times, were there any joy moments, joyful moments or, or happy moments? I know you were talking about with the girls all being there, all the, the four girls being there. Were there, were there some happy aspects that you look back at, you know, I probably wouldn't have ever experienced that kind of happiness unless I'd broken my leg or, you know, that kind of thing. Is there anything like that? Oh, I've got gobs of them, literally gobs of them. The joy of feeling, seeing my seminary kids that I taught seminary to, and every now and then I get a card from one of them, and it's just like Caleb is just so good about writing me and telling me thank you. Carnea, she's constantly in contact with me, telling me how much she loves me. The, there's a lot of them. I can't even, I don't, you know, I can't remember all their names anymore. In fact, this doctor that did my toe, I'm sitting there getting my toe worked on. And he said, I know you, Sister Perry. And I said, I don't recognize you. And he said, you taught me in seminary. And I goes, I did? And he said, yeah, I remember you. And I goes, oh, well, I'm glad you remember me. I don't remember you. 
but today he was in there and I told, or yesterday he was in there and I said, I love you. And he says, I know you do. You told me that long time ago. So uh, those are joys to me. The joy of seeing little kids happy. The joys of watching you kids grow up happy, joyous times. Even when I was hurting, I relied on those joys. Going out in nature, that's a huge joy for me. I love being out in the trees. I would be out there now, except the girls would be having 12 cows. So I'm sitting in a house, sick of it, but it's okay. And yeah, I've had lots of joy. It's mostly it's with people, really people. I sit now in my front room and look at that picture I've got that reminds me of, of Redmond, and that's joy. Every time I sit in there and look at that picture, that's, to me, that's joy. It's home. People in relationships. Yep. But I'm so glad that I didn't, that dad didn't die while we were in Redmond. I would never have survived my sister. I never would have been able to have handled that. I would have gone crazy. Yeah. And the girls say, oh, mom, you wouldn't have been there anyway. We would have come and hauled you away. So <laughs> I thought that's what I, I'm grateful for that. I'm, I have much gratitude. I have so many blessings. I have no reason to complain about anything. Not at all. My family is the dearest thing that I've got. And I just, to watch you kids in your lives and the things you do just thrills me to death. And I spend a lot of time thinking about all of you and worrying about you. But that's part of being the mama, I think. Well, it's, it's, it's mainly Dan. He's always getting into trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of him today saying, oh, I was to, where's I was, Danae, I think. Maybe it was yesterday. I said, I said, your mom and Dan were the most trouble that, with any of the kids. And they said, what did, she said, what'd they do? And I said, name it. <laughs> but oh, I love you. I love, all, I love all of you with the just, I would, I would literally lay down my life for any of you. I seriously would. Life, just, I, I just love you. Can't even tell you how much. Well, we love you too, Grams. I was going to change tack just a little bit. Okay. I was curious about, uh, we recently had this uh, pandemic. Yes. How, uh, what was your experience with that whole thing last year there, 2020? And how did, how did that go for you? How, what happened for you? It was the hardest thing I've done for a long time. It really was because the pandemic hit and my scripture study class went away. My family home evening group stopped. All of my association with all my friends, and I'm a people person. I am not interested in things, but I'm interested in people. And there was, uh, there was very little or none of that. And I, I didn't realize how much it was affecting me. And until, well, I might as well tell you this. I'm taking a, um, I went to a shrink. <laughs> I have one that lives with me, but I went to her shrink. And they analyzed me and I have got depression. And the, the COVID did that to me. And I've had a hard, between dad dying and that, I've just had a hard time getting out of it. So she's given me a pill that I, I can't even know the name of it. I can't remember it. It's only five milligrams and it's like taking nothing, she said. But this is be this will just help your your brain. And then, she, then Dina explained to me how this, how your brain works. And it made total sense to me. So I decided I would take it because they, the, the serotonin and some other little thing, manitonin or monotonin or something. There's two of them that sound almost alike. Mel melatonin. 
Oh, okay. That's it. Melatonin and the serotonin. Uh, as when you get tired and you don't feel good and you become depressed, that goes away from your brain and your body can't keep up with it. It makes your body makes it, but you can't keep up with it because of the stress that you're in and the, the worry that you have and the bad feelings that you get. So if you take something that is like, she explained it, it's like putting oil in your car. You can't run your car without oil. And when the oil starts getting lower, it starts acting funny and it won't go as smooth and nothing works out as good. So you have to replace the oil and get keep it clean so that the car runs at its top speed. So that your brain can run at its top speed, it needs to be replaced with with this this chemical that helps the, your body make this it calms your body down so that so that you can produce this serotonin and this melatonin then yeah and i thought that makes sense why didn't when dad had his nervous breakdown why didn't somebody tell me that nobody ever you know I get, I'm getting tired of these doctors that just only tell you the half truth or they lie to you half the time. It's a bunch of garbage. Why don't they tell you the truth? So anyway, I've been on this three days and I've been able to sleep one night all night, which is a shock because I generally don't sleep only but about five hours or four sometimes. So your grandma's- So that's an improvement there, yeah. That's, it's an improvement for me, and they said it would take probably three or four months before I would really notice a, an improvement because I'm depleted. So the nurses and the doctors, when I've been in the hospital the last two times, they said that I was dehydrated and that I was worn out. I was tired, completely tired through and through, and that uh, I had UTIs both times, and that... Uh, that's why they examined my brain. They thought I had a, a tumor going in in my head, and I don't. It's, so I'm clear of. I'm a normal human being, except for all this garbage. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, COVID start. Well, Dad dying started it. The loss that you feel from a spouse is so great. It cannot be overemphasized. It is such a great loss that it, it literally, you lose your identity of who you are. Because for 61 years, I was a wife and I was a mother. Kids have all grown up and they take care of themselves. They really don't need me. I'm not to stand that I'm not important in their life, but they don't really need me to help them to do anything. And yeah. you, you kids don't need me. I only had Bill. And when I, the last five years, we finally understood each other and we really had fun together and enjoyed ourselves. Wow, what a shock. And lo the losing your companion that you've only had that person longer than you were on, than you have anywhere else. It's it's a it's a complete catastrophe. It it's quite really a blow is. mentally and emotionally. And and it is, and I have tried to do the best I could. You know, laugh about it, cry when I needed to, but try to reason it out and understand that I didn't need to act like a fool and all this, and that I could make decisions. And it's just been really hard. And then COVID hit, and they took away all my my people that I was used to having around me to help me realize that I could still teach. And now I don't, I don't have a teaching job. I don't do anything like that now. So it makes you so that you think you're absolutely a zero and worthless. Yeah. You're not, you feel like you're not useful to all these people that you normally did. Yeah. Somebody you could help because I can't now my body won't allow me to do anything hardly. So it's like 
I'm just, it's like I'm just sitting here waiting to die. And it, it that's depressing in itself because I don't want to do that. Mama did that. I don't want to sit in a rocking chair and look out the window and watch the birds eat. Bag it. I want to be laughing and joking and having a good time and hugging people, telling them how much I love them. I want to do, I want to be useful. So you want to be present for, you want to be present for what's happening, what's going on. Right on. And I would just as soon take all the bad news as it comes and I'll cry and yell and holler, but I'll get over it and I'll go on. So that's what COVID did to me. There's a lot of people in the same boat as me. But yeah. they, the difference between me and them is that I don't mind talking about it. And they keep it all inside. You know, and when you keep it inside, then you really get sick. Were there, were there any good aspects that came out of COVID for you at all? I mean... I realize that there's a lot of overlay and it was. Oh, it made me appreciate things. Every, it made me appreciate every cotton picking thing I have. Everything I have. It, I, I realized that how blessed I was to be as well as I am and be able to do something. So, yeah, I, I write notes to everybody. I, I mean, you know, last year, I think I told Dan this, I spent $500 on stamps last year. Keeping the postal service in business, huh? I am. I am. I, I, I bought, I bought, buy them 100, 100 in a roll, and I bought five rolls last year. And my Christmas list has gone way down. I only send about 30 cards. <laughs> so it was others, other cards and notes that I've wrote. So yeah. I try to tell people that I love them and how important they are and give them a little message or whatever. I, I think now that I'm the great advisor so I can advise them how to live. No, I don't. I don't feel that way. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Well, well I, I've gotten a lot of those nice notes from you over the years. I'll never forget stuff, even way back when I was serving in the mission field, um, getting little notes, your letters and stuff were awesome. So I can only imagine how that's helped other missionaries and people you've written to over the years. Well, I've got five missionaries I'm writing to now. So I've been writing to them for about a year. Well, no, one just went out, so I I just knew on her, but I love to write to missionaries. I wrote Dallin, too. In fact, I kept all the years in a notebook. Yep, I remember. Yep. It's crazy. I don't keep all these others. Actually, they don't write letters. They put it on the Internet, and their mothers connect me up with their whatever it is that they do, and I read what they write so but i write them yeah they've gone away from a lot of the old the old there boy they are and then i just got informed that on on the people in africa that i'm writing to they the you can't send any money you can't send any gifts you can't send anything but just a letter and they open that and read that before they give it to the missionaries so, but but the the government in Africa just opens everything and looks at it. And if you send money, they just steal the money, and gifts they steal them. And that was from one of the mission presidents that I got that letter. It said don't don't send stuff anymore. So, well, yeah. But, well, what Graham we. Well, we've got another addition to the family. Old Mike and Tiff decided to. I know. Oh, look at her. Yeah, we oh, got her up on the video. She, isn't she sweet? Oh, look at her. I got to see Becky's baby for the first time yesterday. And he's a cute guy, too. Look at them feet. <laughs> oh, I love her. You got to smooch those cheeks. Yeah. Oh, look at this. She's a sweetheart. <laughs> 
Oh, golly. What did you finally name her, Michael? What's Leslie her name? Leslie Marie Perry. Leslie Marie. Okay, Leslie after Grandma Leslie. Yep, that's right. And then Marie after your mama? Exactly. Exactly. That's cool. She is a sweetheart. How old is she now, Michael? Seven or eight days? She's one week. Well, yeah, uh, one week exactly. Oh, it's so nice to see her. (laughs) How's Tiffany? Tiff's good. She's hanging in there. She actually is doing a lot better, it seems like, than me. (laughs) I'm, like, still sick. I've been sick for a couple of weeks, it seems like. Oh, my gosh. Take care of each other. Second baby's heart is what somebody told me. I don't remember that. It's been too long ago. I thought they were all great. Oh, I'm happy for you, Michael. Thanks. (laughs) That's the joy I had was having kids. I loved every one of them more than anything. Except for Dan. No, I love Dan. <laughs> Him and Dave were just, I, I, you don't even know. I just, those two boys, I, I have to keep care. I just have to, I can't think about it. It brings tears to my eyes because I love them so much and they were so fun. Totally. I would, I would do it all again. If I was starting out again, I'd do it all again, just the same way. I'd even marry your dad, Dan. I'm not sorry for it at all. Not a bit. How do you feel about all these babies, Dan? Uh, I'm just, it's a, it's amazing. It's a miracle. As far as I'm concerned, every one of them are just miracles and we're really grateful. It's really, really fun to have them in the family. It's hard to explain. It is. I think it's, I think it's really humbling because Heavenly Father trusts us with these little babies. When you think about it, that's a lot of trust. It is. You know, there's only really one shot you have at it as a as a dad. So I'm just grateful that he gives us an opportunity to do that. At the same time, we have our share of mistakes, stuff Boy, that we wish we hadn't done. At the <laughs> same time, you know, it's that's part of how it is. It you is. go on and, you know, you learn from each other. And I just thoroughly enjoy my adult relationships with each one of my kids. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. So it's really fun to, to do that. So... I'm not that used to little babies, so I'm learning how to, <laughs> what little things you do, you know, and yeah. Doreen has always been involved in all that at, at that age. Yeah. And, uh, and I've been working mostly and just haven't been that involved in little babies. And now I'm trying to learn how to do that a little bit well, better. I, I was involved, but I just wasn't, you know, I didn't realize a lot of stuff. And now I'm just a lot more aware than I used to be. This is how you bond. This is how you bond, and then it's it it don't ever go away. It this bonding is is a cement just holds you together. I think it, I I believe that anyway. Well, that's how <clears throat> that's how David felt about Dal. He scooped oh. Dalin up when he was Leslie's age there, and just got really attached. And he's been that way with Dal forever. Yeah, ever since. And he will be forever, Dal. That's why the plan of salvation is so good. Because we are together. We are sealed. And that is a wonderful, what a blessing. What a blessing to know that we just are going to graduate to another planet or whatever and and all be together. That To me, that's just absolutely, wow. I just can't even hardly imagine that. It's just absolutely great well, that's what makes the relationship that's what makes the relationship so important it does mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we should have is i mean we should recognize we should appreciate it here on earth while we're here we should appreciate the fact that that we have each other and not abuse each other or yell or holler and make big scenes with each other we should always do good with it to each other be kind let us I all speak kind that. words to each other. Yes. That's right. That's well, right. it's easy to get wrapped up in what you're doing, though. And uh, I can remember different times just being all more worried about what was happening and than looking at the bigger picture. 
Dwayne was always really good at looking at the big picture and, you know, cause these moments, they just go so fast. It's, you don't realize that when you're right in the middle of it, you don't realize how much, how quickly it all goes time-wise. You know? Oh man. Isn't that the truth? These months now, I don't know about you guys, but they just speed by. I thought it was just now the first of November. Here we are clear at the end. It's like, why is it fast for you guys? Or is it oh, just yeah. me because I'm old? No, it's, fast. it's very fast. Yeah. It's just fast. Of course, that's what the last days are supposed to be like. Fast. Yep. Hastening. Hastening. Yep. For the sake of the righteous. Yep. It is. It is indeed. Well, boy, I want you guys to know how much I love all of you. And it's just, uh, I can't even describe it. It's just a, it's just good. It's just good, plain, plain good and healthy and so blessed, so blessed to have all of you. Well, I feel the same way. Well, I mean, we, yeah, we've been on a little bit, but yeah, we can, we can wrap up, but did you have any, any questions for us at all? Are you in your apartment? Yeah, this is my little, uh, my little cave. Your little, little cave. apartment. Yep. Cool. It's just a, it's just a studio. Yeah. So, small little thing, but yeah. This Do you it. like it? Yeah, it's, like- uh, it's all right. I like the price. <laughs> Are you happy with your job? Yeah, we're, uh, well, I mean, we're, we're a little busier than I'd like to be, but yeah, it's good. It's good. Just got a pay raise barely here. And well, now yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we also just hired somebody. We've had a, a bit of turnover, but we just, uh, a gal just accepted an offer. So she'll be starting here in another couple of weeks. Oh, so that'll good. Be good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But it's busy as usual. So I want to spend as much time as I can at the office so that, you know, I don't have any regrets when I die. <laughs> You're crazy. Totally crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know why everybody's talking about spending time with their family. That, that doesn't make sense. You, you just, you just want to be at the office as much as possible. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> family can raise itself. As Dal always says, he's very proficient at sarcasm. Yeah. Yes. It is. That's well. Good. I, I I can't remember if it was dad or mom. Somebody told me when we were younger. It's you, you kind of have the perspective of you know, and I've I've learned this unfortunately the hard way, and I'm sure all of us have. But in the job, it's the the work is always going to be here. It, it's always it's always going to be here. So you know, if I leave at five thirty, if I leave at seven, if I leave at five, you know. It, Overall, it really just doesn't make a difference. So it's like, you know, I'm going to err on the side of, you know, not being at work. I mean, you'll, you'll, you're never going to regret. Now, I don't mean, you know, being shirk, shirking your responsibilities or, or whatnot, but I just mean making decisions to, you know, be with your family and, and associations with, you know, your relationships. Well, and you won't regret. regret. No, I agree with that totally. I do. I totally agree with that. I'll bet you anything that grandpa was wishing he'd spent more time with all the kids because he didn't spend hardly any time with the kids. It makes a real difference. It does. I I can understand the poll. I mean, obviously I don't know, but I can understand the poll because you, you know, you feel a drive. I I suspect as, you know, a father and husband that you feel a drive to provide. and, And so that requires, you know, I've got to stay the longer hours. I've got to get that promotion at work. I've got to, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. And yeah. so, and, and it's important. It is. You, you've got to provide. That's a very important. You want to feel good about your capabilities and your competence and to be able to provide for the family. But at the same time, it's a fine balance, I think. I, I think it is too. I, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. It's, it's really is. And, and you, having the kids at home you have to learn how to adjust to that also i think what's been really important i've read a lot of books on the prophets and their kids have said that when dad came home he was home he left all the other stuff at the office and when he was there he was there so it was quality time and i think that's one of the big things that we don't think about is that we think it of time 
we don't think that we need quality time. We think we can, we'll just make it all, we'll kind of pinch it all in however best we can. Yeah. People that uh, you get tired at work and you come home and if you're so tired that you can't be at home, then you know you need to find a different job. Papa's trouble was that he loved what he did. And he would rather be there than he would at home because home was more boring for him. <laughs> I know. I'm sure that he has regrets for that. I just really feel positive he would. These women that work, that's one of the things I've noticed when they talk about COVID, how it's changed some families. They've Guys have even quit their jobs because they had so much fun at home. They just soon not go back. So they're they're changing their dot jobs so that they can stay home. Yeah, there's a lot of demographic changes that have been happening. I don't think we've seen the full repercussions. Yeah. Well, no, and we don't know what it's going to be. That's the thing. You know, that's like taking new medicine. You never know how it's going to affect you 10 years down the road because you take some of this stuff and it just poisons you. I'm kind of a non-medicine person. But I have felt really worried about my brain and how my brain's going. So I don't want it to go this way. I want to help it if I can. Are you getting back to pre-COVID um, type of levels? Or are you kind of there? I am. Yep. I've got, I have my scripture study class now. And then uh, what do I have? I can't remember what else I have even. Isn't that terrible? I, <laughs> I'm ended up going to the doctor more than I, used to and that takes up time but uh i'm just i'm just studying a lot more and yeah and i've i've tried to adjust my brain and realize that that at my age this is what you do at my age stop trying to fight it you know you get tired or easier and and your brain doesn't work my brain doesn't work as well as it used to so Anyway, I am trying to get back. I'm trying to involve myself more in, in things. I'm trying to go out. When we have activities at church, Dina and I have both been trying to go out a little more often than we used to. We didn't used to go anywhere to any of the programs, but we have tried to lately, and it's, it's felt better. What, uh, what brings you peace here and now? Good question. Actually, I'm quite peaceful. I'm very happy with my little house. I am totally happy. I'm I'm totally happy with Dina watching out for me and taking care of me and Karen helping out. I have no no desire to do it any other way. I'm grateful for, uh, I'm just grateful and at peace with Danae and Kaylin living here. And we're all just this four crazy women that do crazy things, but Nobody cares, and I like it, totally. I'm just totally at peace with it. I sit in my front room. I, I Here's what Danae did. She says, Grandma, we're going to only put up the pictures that you like. And so she went and rearranged. That was last year. I hope she really rearranges them this year. And we just, so if if I said, I well, I like that, but I don't really like it that well, it went out. It, I mean, we didn't throw it out, but we put it in another box. So we can rotate them all and stuff. But I can sit in my house and look at it. And it's all pictures of you guys. Most of them are. And the Savior. And the and President uh, Nelson. And I just look at them. And I, and I sit there and I, I say, you know, I really am totally happy. And at peace. Complete peace. I am. I'm not... And hopefully now my mind will feel better after I take some of these pills. I was against taking those pills, but after Dina discussed this oil in the car business, I know what happens when you don't have oil in your car. It dies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is why people commit suicide. They don't have enough oil in their heads to keep them going. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. I am totally, seriously. I am totally happy. And I'm even more happier. I have great joy when you guys come. That is absolutely joy for me. 
I don't think sometimes that those that come have joy, but I have joy. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, thank you, Grandma. We appreciate you yeah, taking the thanks. time here for the podcast episode. I appreciate each one of you, and I love you all very, very much. Take Good care of you. each other, and have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, Happy Thanksgiving, Graham. So thankful for all of you. So just have a great time. Thank, thank you, Mom. We appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you.